we've just done this little series in the lead up to Christmas on simple things that Jesus teaches us. Simple things that Jesus taught. Not simplistic, but simple stuff that we need to understand and then get into our lives. There was a preacher who started at a new church and previous to his arrival it had been a bit of a mess. People had been fighting. Uh, It wasn't an overly healthy church. And so when he arrived, he got up and he said, we're going to preach on Jesus saying, love one another like I have loved you. Then he got up the next Sunday and he preached again. And he said, I'm going to preach on love one another as I have loved you. I'll come over here. Uh, And then he got up a third week and he preached again on love one another as I have loved you. Now by that stage, people started to grumble. We're going great tonight, aren't we? This is just, we're on fire. Should we put the snakes around again? (laughs) Anyhow, people began to grumble and they said, we want the deep teaching, we want the, the big stuff, we want the doctrine, we want you to get stuck into the word. And the preacher said, I'll move on to the more meaty stuff once we have got the basics down. Now, I'm not saying that about manly life, right? This is a very loving congregation, and I think you guys and, and we all do life together really well. But we should never want to tire of looking at the basics of our faith and just getting that happening in our lives, getting that working well. One of the best things you'll ever do as a Christian is to major on the majors and to minor on the minors, right? Right? Major on love God and love your neighbour. You know, minor on eschatology and end times and what Israel means and all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but major on the majors. Get the stuff that Jesus wants us to be doing as the central stuff in our faith. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul is talking about you can know stuff, you can be doing stuff, but if you don't love, you are just a clanging symbol, Right? And so love and things like that that Jesus teaches us is the the 101s of the faith, but it's also like we never really want to move beyond that too far either. So we're talking about serving. That's a good place to start. Jesus says, whoever wants to be great, right? Whoever wants to be great in life will be your servant. So a deep and a simple mark of the Christian life is you begin to have a desire to serve other people, to put other people's interests Ahead of your own. And then last week, Victoria spoke so clearly and beautifully on love, specifically that its shape in our lives is sacrificial, merciful, obedient. And I want to continue that today by just focusing on Jesus's probably most well-known command or teaching. Uh, So specifically, we want to look tonight at the golden rule. Can anyone tell me what is the golden rule? Oh, I saw a hand at the back. We're going to do it like a class, apparently. Good. Lani? Oh, man. That's good. You could even sit at the front. You're such a good student. Now, it's interesting to me that even amongst non-Christians, you often hear people say that they try and live by the golden rule. So in Luke 6, 31, Jesus says, Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
Matthew 7, 12, Jesus says, similar kind of thing. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, treat people how you would like to be treated. Treat other people with the same concern and kindness that you would like people to show towards you. Now, just in terms of where this idea comes from, although Jesus was the Word made flesh, he was a student of the Old Testament, and particularly in the book of Leviticus. Does anyone here love the book of Leviticus? Yeah, you do. Nath does. Of course you do, buddy. So in the book of Leviticus, a core book of the law, we find another variation of what we call the golden rule. Now listen to this because it's going to come into play when we get practical at the end. When a foreigner resides amongst you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt and I am the Lord your God. So Jesus is deeply grounded in this Old Testament teachings. Uh, Indeed, you could say that as the Word of God made flesh, He is the source of Leviticus, right? He is the author of all scriptures. Now, some people may say it's in our nature to do good to others. What do you think? Do you think think humans have that capacity to do good to others? Um, I think it's true. I think like you see parental love, that's very selfless. Um, You see fire volunteers who are very sacrificial and just dive in and do amazing things for other people. But I think in general, and I don't think this is too harsh to say, most people only help other people when it's their friends or family, it's convenient for them, they're in a good mood, or they expect something in return, right? I think that, that's more likely to say that's what human nature is. We're pretty selfish creatures when it comes down to it. So the golden rule doesn't say, treat the people close to you how you would want to be treated. It doesn't say, treat people how they have treated you. And my dad came up with this one this week. He said, it certainly doesn't say, do unto others before they do it unto you. <laughs> right? And that's that kind of mentality of, I sense something's coming, so I'm just going to hit first. You know? And I think we see that in our culture, in our society, is that sometimes we're so afraid of being hurt that we'll just hurt other people before they get a chance to do it to us. Now, although this all may sound simple, the reality is that all of us are hurt people. And hurt people hurt people, right? Everyone is hurt in some way. We're all carrying brokenness and scars you don't get to our age in life without having taken a few body blows and I think what happens is once you've been hurt a few times you can get self-protective okay you can start to focus in on yourself you can get a little bit hardened and cautious and maybe even bitter and I think it's easy for hurt people to continue the cycle of hurting other people whether they realize it or not But if everyone is hurt in some way, the question becomes, how do we get out of the cycle of hurt people hurting each other? And the answer, of course, is the golden rule. And the answer of behind the golden rule is its source, which is our hearts get filled with the love of God. 
That's why I love in Romans 5. Paul says, the love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When you have a love encounter with God, when you get overwhelmed by His love, when you realize that it is unconditional and sacrificial, that there's nothing that you can do to earn it, that your Father in heaven loves you anyhow, then your heart can begin to be regenerated in love for others. And can I just say, that's why ministry time down the front at the end of the service, it's not an added-on extra for the really needy people. Okay? Uh, let me encourage you, come receive ministry at the end of services. You know, if I'm not praying for someone, you'll generally see me receiving prayer. Because I want to encounter God. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to come and to minister and to pour His love into our hearts, just amazing things can happen. And, and one of the reasons we see so many tears, I mean, you know, you remember Kim last Sunday told that story about just the brokenness in her life and how it broke open the other Wednesday night. And she was filled with the love of God and was wailing deeply. And then she felt this electricity come from heaven and fill her body. I saw her the next day. She said, I'm never going to be the same again. She brought one of her lost friends to church this morning, right? Now, this is Kim, who's six months into going to church. Had never been to church in her life before that. But now that she's been filled with the love of God, all these kind of past hurts are getting healed. And it's going to make her whole and useful in the kingdom. That was my experience. I'd never cried much really at all in my life. Uh, I was on a Holy Spirit day away. Uh, the very first time when I was living in London, we went out to Henley on the river. We are in this castle. It was beautiful. And at the end of the thing, they said, come forward, be ministered to. They prayed for me and they asked for the love of God to be poured into my heart. And for the first time, something burst within me. And I began to cry as I experienced the unconditional love of God. And I don't think my life has ever been the same since that moment. So that's the way that we get on beyond the cycle of hurt people hurting people. You come to know the love of God and then you begin to be able to give it away. Now, a similar passage, parallel to the great commandment, Luke 10, 25 to 28. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to them, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly, do this, and you will live. So it all gets summed up, love your neighbour as yourself. The lawyer then asks a question, who is my neighbour? That's what lawyers do. Lawyers always ask a follow-up question, because he's looking for a loophole to see if he can get out of this. And Jesus then tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And the whole point of the story of the Good Samaritan is your neighbour is the person you come across in front of you who is in need. Okay? That's who your neighbour is. It's whoever needs love. It's whoever needs mercy. That's the person we need to stop and respond to. Okay, so it's like so much of Jesus' teaching. The challenge is not in the comprehension. It's not in the understanding, right, church? But it's in living according to the teachings of our Saviour. So Jesus teaches his followers, do to others what you would have them do to you. Church, you want mercy? Show mercy. 
If you want compassion, give compassion. You want to be respected, show respect. Right? You've got to step outside of your own situation. Consider others. Get into their point of view, their situation, their circumstances. And then think, if I was in that situation, how would I want to be treated? And we're all pretty self-serving creatures. No one wishes for a life of hardship or difficulty. No one wishes to be disrespected at work. No one wants to be insulted on social media or excluded at a dinner. So what Matthew 7, 12, what Jesus is saying is here is a way to interact with people in a healthy way, an ethical way, a way that will stop the broken cycles of hurting one another. So we're here in this church, when in doubt, how do I respond to this situation? Okay, I might not have been treated that well myself, but there's a situation right in front of me. How do I react to this person? You simply consider, how would I want to be treated? And then you go and do that. One of the shows that um, Victoria and I really enjoyed watching this year was on the ABC called Old Person's Home for Four-Year-Olds. Did anyone else watch that? It was, it was pretty sweet, right? Um, it was actually set in a retirement home here on the Northern Beaches. Uh, it was heartwarming stuff. Uh, but I think the thing that shocked us is at the start of the series, you had all these um, elderly people in a retirement village here on the Northern Beaches, and basically no one ever visited these guys. They just sat there alone. One of them talked about being just in his room 23 hours of the day, and then they'd come out for meals and then go back to their room. And the loneliness, the brokenness, the hurt that was involved in that was absolutely heartbreaking. So the premise of the show is you put a preschool class of four-year-olds in the nursing home to create a warmer, more human experience for everyone. But it made me think, when I'm old, how am I going to want to be treated? Yeah? Um, you know, I get the golden rule wrong so often. Hear me very clearly on that, right? Uh, this is, it's not like I'm the, the grand guru of this. But one thing that I'm very proud of is that when I was at uni and my grandfather was in his last years, I would regularly visit him on the way home from working in the city or being at university. And I just spent time with my granddad, who'd lived a crazy life. He'd lost two wives, both in car accidents. He'd seen action for four years in World War II. He'd had a tough life. He'd been a good man. But I'd just sit there and have a meal with him and share stories and just be a companion to him in his last years of his life. How would I want to be treated when I'm old? Now go and do likewise for others. You know, so often in the face of the brokenness, the mess, the hurts of this world, we can think, what can I do? And the imperative of this teaching from Jesus is just start. Start with the need in front of you and respond and react to that. Do what is in front of you. Work out who needs love and then love them like you would want to be loved. And my grandfather died uh, while I was spending a year living in Africa when I was 22. Uh, and I wasn't able to come back for the funeral because it was just too difficult. Uh, but one of the things I can say is I had no regrets with him, right? No regrets. Because I felt I'd treated him like I would have wanted to have been treated myself. So this kind of life, says Jesus, is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In other words, grab the front two-thirds section of your Bible 
And if you want to know how that all gets fulfilled, it gets fulfilled in love God and love your neighbour. In other words, you can understand the entire ethical and moral law of the Old Testament through the lens of love. If we can get the basics of love God and love your neighbour as yourself, then we're on the way to living a good life and a moral life. A life that's going to not be without hardship, but you're going to avoid a lot of brokenness, right? You're going to avoid a lot of loneliness and a lot of selfishness if you can get this deep within your life. One of my favourite all-time passages, if you've never read Romans 13, let this sink into you. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, verses 8 to 10. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Whatever other commandment there may be, they are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbour. Therefore, love is the fulfilment of the law. So good. Right, so here is Paul. He's a student of the Old Testament. But now reshaped and reframed through his encounter with Jesus. He sums it all up. And he says all the commandments that are meant to keep us from harming one another and ourselves get summed up in this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. When you guys get married or if you're married, why would you not commit adultery? Because surely if you love yourself, you wouldn't personally want your partner to cheat on you. So out of love, out of treating people how you would want to be treated, we come up with a way to live an ethical, moral life. Adultery just gets put off the table. Okay? It's not an option, church. It's not an option. Because you wouldn't want that done to yourself. You would never in love do that to your partner. You wouldn't want to be murdered. I assume. So don't murder. Right? We hate it when things are stolen from us. So don't steal. Because it's the loving right way to live. The mark of being a Christian. It's not rule keeping. But it's making choices through the lens of love. See, so many people when they think of becoming a Christian, they're so afraid of the fact that they think they're going to get caught up in this rules based, no fun life. And it's just the opposite. We just get to live this life through the lens of loving our neighbour and loving God that leads us into abundant life. There's an old story I like about the way of love. It says, a woman died. She was taken to heaven. But the angel wanted her to see hell. So they stopped there first. And hell, this is weird, had a lake of nutritious stew. But the people only had metre-long spoons. And so they were frustrated when they tried to feed themselves, right? They couldn't couldn't do it. And as a result, they were miserable, they were hungry, and they were fighting amongst themselves. And the woman was then taken to heaven, and amazingly, heaven was exactly the same, with the same stew, the same metre-long spoons. But here the people were happy and well-fed. The woman asked, why are these people so different? And the angel replied, they feed each other. These people have learned the way of love. You liked that, didn't you, Chels? That was for you. Yeah. 
I'll give you my book of Hallmark wedding sermon. Yeah, yeah. But that's it. Once you learn the way of love, you learn to do to others as you would want done to yourself. All right, let's get practical. Because the challenge is not in the understanding, unless you're pretty thick. It's in putting it into practice. Spurgeon, the great British preacher, once said, the golden rule is more admired than practiced by ordinary men. Spurgeon went on, he said, in this place, our king gives us his golden rule. Put yourself in another's place and then act to others as you would wish others to act towards you under the same circumstances. He said, oh, that all men and women acted on it. Then there would be no slavery, no war, no swearing, no striking, no lying, no robbing, but all would be justice and love. What a kingdom is this, which has such a law. It's true. Take the issue of slavery. How can Spurgeon suggest that if the golden rule was put into place by everyone, there would be no such thing as slavery? See, Jesus doesn't say, treat your own race, treat your own religion, or treat your own countrymen as you would want to be treated. It's universal. Premise on the fact that every single person is created in the image of God. Therefore has inherent dignity, inherent worth. So John Newton, an Englishman of the 1700s, was a very successful businessman. And his business, made him a lot of money, was the slave trade. He'd take people from Africa, transport them across the Atlantic Ocean, and he'd sell them as slaves in America, and he made good, good money. And then through a storm at sea and an illness, Newton came to rethink his life. He got converted, he became an Anglican priest, and he became a major advocate against slavery. He wrote a book in 1788, it was a good year, Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade. And it began with the golden rule. And then he condemned the slave trade. And he wrote a really famous little ditty that some of us know called Amazing Grace. And it begins with this line, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And up until that point, it was the slave who was considered wretched. It was the African who was stolen from Africa and transported over to America, who was considered a wretch. And not the slave traders, not those who benefited from slavery. But he came to see that the greater wretch is not the enslaved, but the enslaver. It is the one who cannot treat the other as they themselves would have wanted to have been treated. You see, if you yourself would not want to be a slave, how could you treat someone like that? And manly life, when you come across modern day causes attempting to end modern day slavery around the world, can I just say that's a great cause to give your time and money and voice to. All right, let me finish with two scenarios. I'm going to bring one political and one personal one. And you, yeah, you always want to lose about a third of your church when you talk politics. So this will be good. Thank you for being at Manly Life. It's been wonderful. And <laughs> lots of great churches in the area. All right, try and do these with no ifs and no buts, okay? Just apply the golden rule. How would I want to be treated? Okay, formulate that in your mind. And then as you think, what's your response or view 
or how you would advocate, think now I want to try and treat others that way. So firstly, a political one. I saw some nervous shuffling. That's okay. I'm not saying this isn't complicated. I'm not saying there won't be different, strongly held views. So let's talk about Medivac. Do you know the issue? Now, I'm not going to give you my view here, and I don't want to hear yours. I really don't. But I just want us to try and apply the golden rule to how we might think politically, how we might think ethically, as we approach a very real and a very important issue. So what is our response as Christians to refugees being held in offshore camps by our government who need urgent medical care? Assuming the care is needed, is real, it is urgent, and it is all of our collective responsibilities as citizens of Australia who elect a democratic government. If you were wasting away in a refugee camp in an island off Australia and you needed urgent medical care, how would you want to be treated? Now, I'm not saying it's not complicated, but after answering that question, let that kind of thing guide your response to how you voice, how you think we should treat those people. Yeah? All right, final one, a personal situation. Your marriage is having real troubles. You don't particularly enjoy spending time with each other because you just seem to argue. There's always a list you both seem to have of hurts and wrongs that have been done to each other. If you're not married yet, this might happen one day. On top of that, you are tired, you are busy, and you just sometimes wonder, would it be easier to call it a day and to go your separate ways? But you remember the golden rule that Jesus said something about love your neighbour as yourself. He said, do to others as you would want done to you. So you stop, you think about how I want to be treated in this marriage. What would I want to receive from my partner? And then you begin to treat them as you yourself would want to be treated. What are some of the things that you would begin to do? How good's Jesus? Amen. All right, let's stand together. Simple, not simplistic. Teachings more admired than practiced.